0: episode of the NES experience. We are happy to be back. We have had some brutal technical difficulties over the course of the last few weeks and have been unable to record, but lo and behold, we have figured out how to unmute Ned's microphone. So, now that he's able to record, Ned has a few things he'd like to get off of his chest, and first and foremost, he would like to Uh, Give a little shout out to a state championship athlete of his.
1: Big shout out to the Ansonia Chargers who won their, I believe, 21st state championship. One of the athletes on the team, which might have been the main focal point of the team, biased opinion, Dave Cassetti. Uh, I don't know if I ever brought him up on any of the other podcasts, but he was a kid that went through, he was in his summer of it or not his didn't reach the summer it was his junior year and he was actually playing baseball and he didn't want to play baseball and he wanted us to play college football and i don't know they were like five games into the season and then i sat down with the family and they were going to quit baseball and concentrate on football um he had crazy results he gained 10 15 pounds he lowered his 40 he was uh you know, a high four eight, low four nine guy. He ended up running a low four seven. And if we had more time, he probably would have gotten the four sixes. So he transformed his body. We have some of the before and afters on social media, but he went into the season, absolutely killed it. I think he had twenty two hundred rushing yards, thirty-three touchdowns. He played both ways, hundred tackles, or close to a hundred tackles, five sacks. Um, so he was named just recently. So they won the state championship. And then the awards starting to drop. He was Max Preps Connecticut Player of the Year. So that's really big. So it's just nice to see, you know, the results coming through and to shut up all the haters. He was, uh, there are a lot of people that were upset with him because he made. Uh, They were saying the selfish decision, you know, to not play baseball, even though he didn't want to play baseball. So the best way to shut people up is just shove it and let your actions speak and not your words. So a whole bunch of word, word guys ended up pounding sand by my boy. And it's fantastic.
0: That is fantastic. It's always great when you can prove the haters wrong. I was able to prove the haters wrong earlier today. It's about 10 o'clock at night. Uh, The haters thought we would never be able to record again, but we were able to, and Ned was so excited, he said he wanted to, quote, kick me in the face. So, uh, yeah, always great to, uh, to prove the haters wrong. Haters are my motivators. So, speaking of motivation and devastating injuries, such as being kicked in the face, uh... I have talked about it before. I'm an ACL terrorist survivor, and unfortunately, there has been another uh, NES athlete who has torn their their ACL, and uh, we have a a podcast topic that we had queued up probably about, I'd say, three weeks ago uh, now, and it was going to be recovering and training after surgery, what do I do? That's kind of the theme, the vibe. I'm not sure if that's going to be the title or not, but that's just the the mood of this episode as we're trying to recover from the injuries we sustained by being off of the air for the last three weeks. So Ned, do you kind of want to just dive into the main topic of our
1: podcast today? Uh, hey, no problem there, guy. So when you look at injuries and the rehab process, there's a lot that's going on. It's a super high stress time for, you know, everyone around the athlete. And what I like to do today is kind of go over steps. You know, I've seen athletes recover optimally and, and quickly. And then I've also seen athletes that have fallen behind the timetable have needed multiple surgeries, uh, came back too soon, tried to do too much too soon. So there really is a a plan in place to do things the right way. And I'm going to go over some of that stuff and kind of what goes on, recommendations on what you should do or what can you do physically, and then some of the psychological components of that also. So I will continue with... Going on, you could uh, chop that or do whatever. I realized I was supposed to talk, and then I didn't know what to say, and then yeah, I was only I was looking yeah. for like a couple second thing.
0: Gotcha. No, you know, I was like a,
1: just to make it more dialogue-y, because I'm about to just fucking verbal vomit, so I wanted to just break it up. But we're done. That's scrapped. I'm going. Starting in three, two, one.
0: So sometimes people, I mean, it happened at least. No,
1: no, that meant, that meant I'm going. So, I'm um, we're just pausing. The first thing you need to do is get professional help. So if you tore your ACL, uh, obviously the common sense button says you're going to get it checked out. You've been diagnosed. Uh, you have to watch at the diagnosis, um, depending on where you go and who you talk to. The initial diagnoses are often wrong because it's right when it happened, things are inflamed, you're not getting necessarily the mobilization and whatever you're testing, in this case, knee specifically. But um, a lot of times people come out and they're like, oh, it's this or it's that. And you really don't know what it is until you get the MRI. So things that people tell you before you get the MRI... If somebody says, yeah, I think it's a meniscus, I mean, honestly, just think it's an ACL tear. If they say it's a hamstring strain, <laughs> I mean, well, if it hurts in your knee, if they if they say it's a dislocated patella, kind of just think it's worst case scenario. So you're setting your expectation levels low, not to overreact to those, but... It becomes a little bit tougher when somebody thinks that it's, you know, they do the various checks and they think it's this. So you have in your head, maybe it's a meniscus or something else minor, and then you go get the MRI and then they drop the hammer and say it's ACL. So, you know, it's okay to take in the information, but just know that it it could be kind of worst case scenario. Um, But once you it's very important that you find the right surgeon and talk to the right doctors so i personally go through my physical therapist because he has i fortunately i guess i'm doing a good job but i don't have relationships with a lot of the surgeons because most of my people don't get surgery so but when you look at pt they that's all they get is that so um, go to a resource like a physical therapist to give you a recommendation, go to the right person. And also don't go by their resume. As crazy as that sounds, because, you know, oh, this guy works for the Mets. Well, you're not on the Mets. So, you know, yes, you don't want somebody like, oh, this guy is an intern that went to Johnson and Wales. You don't, I mean, you don't necessarily want that, but you also have to take the important thing is we have look, they're a surgeon. You can't be dumb to be a surgeon. What what I what you care about is you know what they're gonna do for you. Not the professional athletes, not the high profile athletes. Of course they're gonna do that because they would love to build their practice with only high profile athletes. But what if you are a NARP? You know what a NARP is, right?
0: A non-athletic regular person. There
1: you go. What if you're a NARP? nothing against the narps you know are you getting the same treatment as tiger woods just because he's tiger Woods's doctor so you have to you know look at the resume um for me it's i'm in a very easy situation as far as being able to see things long term so i have surgeons that have worked on my athletes in connecticut but i've been training the athlete for eight years so i get to see what they, you know, what they look like in year one, year two, year three. Um, I get to see long term and and when I'm trying to give recommendations or when I hear things, I'm looking for, you know, I have a, if I see somebody do good work on a shoulder and they don't have any more shoulder issues and, and it's five years later, I'm going to put more weight on that with somebody with less of a resume than whatever lebron's you know surgeon don't care what i care about real life experiences with real like similar people high school college athletes pro i want to see it all and narps i want to try and do if you know me that's why you're in luck because i can get just you, you know it's a pretty good guys um so once you get the surgery the rehab, the rehab process usually starts, depending on what your injury is, and the specific thing we're talking about ACLs, you know, within a couple weeks. So surgery happens within a month, and then you're starting PT within a couple weeks. Um, you want to get PT. A lot of people do PT before the surgery to make sure that the knee gets straight and everything is, the quad is active and the posterior chain is active because you're going to go into the, the surgery in a better position. And that decreases the risk of bad things happening uh, post-surgery. So, you, so getting PT beforehand is a good thing. It's not always necessary. Did you have PT before yours? I did, yeah. I actually did PT for about a month.
0: Maybe even like five, six weeks after I tore mine. Uh, they waited for all the swelling
1: to go down, all that stuff. And you, Yeah, you can't get surgery until the swelling goes down anyways. So now you've had the surgery... You're a couple of weeks out, um, and you're gonna start PT, um, and that is a common sense thing. You're gonna go whatever two to three days a week. You, I don't want to talk shit about the healthcare system, but something to keep in mind is they're not going to cover your knee to how long you need to have PT, and this goes into the oh you're allotted blank amount of sessions. And it's never enough. I've seen ACL surgeries after three months, they're not doing PT anymore, and they're magically, they pass the tests and they're magically good to go. They're magically good to go because no one, the the healthcare isn't paying for the the PT anymore, not because they don't need more PT. So you always want to go the extended PT route. And yeah, you're going to have to pay some money out of pocket, but that is going to decrease the chance of having another problem because I forgot the percentage, but unfortunately it's high that if you have an ACL surgery, uh, it it happening in the same leg or the other leg, there's a good percentage chance that happens. And all the things that you don't do are going to make that percentage even higher. And for me, I'm looking at competitive advantage and doing everything in my life. What's the most I can get out of this To minimize, you know, uh, something bad from happening in the future. So one of those things is something called the cross education effect or the cross training effect. So I have the second NES ACL tear of the year going on right now. It's one of my football players and he is in week five or six and he's been with me for two weeks. Um, you, yes, you want to start PT, but if you're an athlete, you want to get back in here and it's not a sales pitch, let me tell you. Cause some people are like, Oh yeah, you just want them to come in because then you could start billing them again. No, I don't, because do you know how much of a pain in the ass it is to have a whole group of athletes doing one thing and then you gotta can't fucking move around or do shit. Everything has to with a post ACL or post or injury person, it is it's five times more work because there's so much live trial and error on what they can do and what they can't do that it's a big pain in the ass no offense to the person that might listen to this that hears this it's fine you know because what my job is what i know is the sooner they get in there and you this goes into more of this there's a big psychological mind fuck that happens when you have an injury and the the more that you're not improving. And the slower that that goes, the more, the more psychologically fucked you become. So by the, by him getting in and by week three and four, yes, there's the physical benefits, the cross training effect that I still haven't talked about. Um, but there's the psychological benefits also to be back in, and in the flow, and you need that. And one of the best things to do when you're stressed out or you're depressed because of what happened is strength training and exercise. So it, it, it helps it helps manage, you know, the, the psychological mess that you're in because of what happened. So the cross-training effect is basically we're training the opposite side. So if you tear your left ACL we want to do a whole bunch of leg exercises on the right leg. You can train the right leg. You can't do anything with the left leg, but you can train the right leg. Um, and by training the opposing limb, it will the the injured leg will get stronger without doing anything. It's a phenomenon. I highly recommend people to just Google cross-education effect, and you can... You know, it's really easy that I, I forgot what it's some something network, but the website like back to play. But if you type it in, it'll kind of, it does a very good job of breaking down, you know, why, what cross education effect is and, and how it benefits. But we are going to minimize the amount of atrophy that occurs. Muscles get smaller when you're le- when your leg is immobilized. And most importantly, it's going to minimize the amount of strength loss in that limb. So that is one of the biggest things is you want to get in. We can still do core. We can still do upper body. You can do everything except for your leg or if it's your shoulder. I had a shoulder guy. You got a shoulder scoped. It's a four month. He's a baseball pitcher. Came in with a UCL tear. And for him with, you know, three days after he was back and he was doing things and physically he was super limited. It's being around people. It's sharing, you know, like if somebody there has had the issue before, it's the it's it's being social and getting activity and getting your mind right. So those are the big thing is you have to find a great strength and conditioning coach or athletic performance coach to pair with your PT to, and what we're doing is we're trying to speed up the process and, and keep your head where it needs to be. Um, so do you have any questions about the cross training effect? Have you heard of it?
0: Uh, I have that. That's one of the things that I did during my rehab as well. They made me do exercises on the left leg, uh, especially if I couldn't do things on the right. So I think they said it was, I don't know if this is actually accurate, it could be, but they said it was a 50% chance that you tear your other ACL on the opposite leg after you get the ACL surgery on the other leg. So right off the bat, there is a lot of emphasis on we have to strengthen the leg that is healthy and you didn't get surgery on because... There's a really good chance that, you know, you might start overcompensating when you come back from your ACL and that thing
1: goes too. So we want to make sure everything gets stronger there. Uh, Well, that's not the cross training effect, but there is, you know, truth to that. Because yes, when something's hurt, you compensate and use the other things and those things get tight and overdeveloped, which therefore increases the risk of something bad happening to that side. That's the one thing I didn't cover. But um, yes, that's true. So after the cross-training effect, you got to look at your nutrition and your supplementation. And yes, I'm going to ask you a question about yours. So when you look at, you know, what's going on, you got, let's say you're a, we'll use the current topic, a guy that's normally 190 pounds and his legs look like Saquon Barkley's. You know, as you go through and things atrophy, you start to lose weight. So you're, you know, and these two very, very recent uh, ACL situations with these two athletes, uh, they're going to lose weight. So the good news is part of the reason why they're losing weight is because they're metabolic machines that burn a whole bunch of calories and they have to eat a lot and do a lot of training to sustain their weight. But what happens is you stop. The good news is you'll be able to do way less activity. There's no more basketball for nine months, which means, all those extra calories that you're already burning because you're a metabolic machine, you don't have, you don't burn those calories. But what you need to do is you need to pick up the fork and you need to start eating. Um, it is a good time to address weight gain and minimize, the, you know, the amount of weight loss. And before you know it, once you can get to the five six week mark, you're eating more and you're able to train. So we are kind of following the same process, and we have the benefit. That we don't have to burn all the extra calories and put all the extra wear and tear so you don't even have to eat as much as you that you were doing before you just have to make it in you know a, a priority to eat now the challenge with that is you know this is talking about my weight my weight loss people my my skinny people and my mesomorphs that can put on lean mass quick but they could also retain it for the most part but still get smaller you, the shakes, I don't know if I brought the shakes up, but taking the weight gain shake every day, it's a good reset button for the weight gain shake. So when you are little, you need to throw the food down, um, to minimize the amount of damage done. Now, the big guys, AKA you, uh, what happens to them is now they've been, their goal has always been to not be fat and to uh have to do a lot of training and a lot of their sport to maintain their pudgy selves. Well, now they can't do any of that high-level activity that they were doing. They have this, you know, mildly massive frame that they need to support. Once you work in the psychological components of it, Nothing makes a fat guy better than, you know, a bag of cookies. You feel like shit. You tore your ACL. Uh, that what better... What's going to make you feel better than just smashing dominoes at midnight? Sticks, uh Ultimate Cheeseburger Pizza, you know. So, for them, it's put down the fork. So, you have to be more hyper-focused on nutrition when... You know these things happen. So weight loss, you guys gotta pick up the fork. Weight gain, you gotta pick down the fork. You don't. There's not as much wiggle room uh, for the big guy. Like you have to, you gotta, you know, keep it under control, Uh, or big girl. So be, and part of the reason why you take the metabolic gene pool of being beefy, and you combine that with stress and depression, and that is a recipe for gaining quick 30 40 pounds tay what happened when you after you tore your ACL?
0: i gained a quick 30 40
1: pounds (laughs) two words whoopie pie whoopie pies are delightful my kids are getting into whoopie pies now but the problem is it's not whoopie pie it's Whoopie pies, which means
0: oh, it's 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 the Ben and Jerry's pint of ice cream that my roommates had to break down my door
1: to steal from me, as I would hide them under my pillow. Right, ice cream. I'm not a big ice cream guy, but uh, Ben and Jerry's, yes. If you're if you're on that steady IV of Ben and Jerry's, um, that is going to contribute to 30 to 40 pounds of weight gain um but one thing that new that i'm that i'm bringing up to a lot of athletes is creatine uh creatine and we've done the podcast on creatine it's basically the world's the new multivitamin and by taking creatine while this is all going on it's going to help speed up recovery time and fuel the muscles that are active and kind of optimize them so a lot of people think, oh, if I'm not lifting, I shouldn't take creatine. You should take creatine every day. You don't have to cycle or load it. Um, and it has no side effects outside of mild abdominal cramping. And some people that I haven't found anybody that has abdominal cramping or diarrhea from from taking creatine. So you definitely you know, want to take creatine. You're doing whatever you can do. I remember I had an athlete... Probably seven years ago, he ended up getting, he had a labral. He tore his hamstring as a freshman because he tore his hamstring and he didn't get PT and he shouldn't have. He tore it off the bone partially because he tweaked it and then he continued to play through the season and then tore it off the bone. That's why you don't, that's why people don't go out there. That's why people don't go out there with a pulled hammy because they can get worse so i believe when he tore the hamstring off the bone it started to compromise the hip uh his hip ended up going out and then while that was in the process of recovering he had hypermobile shoulders and he ended up tearing the labrum in his hip and his shoulder so this kid was using they're called the captains of crush they're like these ridiculously hard grippers So this kid got, he ended up having four labrals replaced. He had both shoulders and both hips replaced. He's bionic. Um, And he, and it was amazing to watch him go through the rehab process because he got so good at it and he would pick the one quadrant of his body that he could work and he would do everything that he could. I remember when his, his hips were bad and his shoulder was bad. He's sitting there just squeezing and work doing wrist and forearm work. And then the minute that something else got better, he was just doing any exercise he could that didn't hurt himself, that was safe, to to build that process up. He was just hammering the core to crazy excessive levels because it's the only thing that he could do because everything else was, you know, messed up. Um, but you want to do this, and part of the reason why you want to do all these things and have your nutrition, you're battling the psychology of, of the injury. You, I mean, you start to think crazy things. Should I retire? Do I even like this sport? Uh, you know, there's the fear of all the fear of what I'm going to do when I get back out there. Am I going to be 80% of the player who wants to instantly lose 20% of their hundred percent capacity of being a great athlete. So all of these things are going on psychologically that, You need to be, by doing all the physical things, it's going to speed up psychologically the psychological mess that's going on in your head. So the first thing that I tell people that it's happened to everybody, we know, and because of technology and science, you're going to recover okay. So 20 years ago, Bo Jackson, maybe it was more than 20 years ago, you know, he hurt his hip and it was over. If Bo Jackson was in 2022, Bo Jackson would still be playing. And Bo Jackson is one of the best running backs of all time. Um, the way the technology advances. So at the end of the day, as is, is terrible as it is, in one year you could even mark it on the calendar. Which is very hard. But in a year you're going to be running out, you're going to be good. So understand that it's not over. It is a delay in the process you know of success and that gets lost in the sauce sometimes because I mean it's your brain and you're messed up and it's no good but um number two the faster you recover the faster you get over it so I talk about all the time milestones think about the first time that you got off crutches and that or if you had an arm did you ever any ever have any arm issues
0: I did I separated my shoulder and I uh well, uh, I don't really have
1: that much feeling in my pinky and my ring finger on my right hand anymore. That's not possible because of technology. It happened to everyone because of technology and science, you're going to recover. You're breaking that. So you never recovered. Boo. Anyways, uh, in general, the, the faster you do all these physical things, you're, you'll get over it. So we want to speed up. You know the amount of time where you are like, man, I'm so depressed. So getting off crutches, getting out of a sling, if your arm is immobilized, um, getting to the point where there's no pain, and then you start, you're able to kind of run around, and then you can move linear, and all these, all these milestones are now psychologically improving your mind state um and get excited about them and talk about them and do the all the weird various dances that all the high school kids are doing right now you got to get gritty not until you're cleared to get gritty do not try and get gritty if you're not cleared to get gritty because i'm going to talk about that next which is it's a journey not a sprint premature gritty you're gonna get hurt so don't do too much. And you want to speed up the process with the guidelines of your professionals that are taking care of you. Meaning, your, whatever the hell your PT says, listen to it. And whatever the hell Ned says, listen to it. And don't get cute and don't, go, don't veer off in a different direction and try and over-progress like doing the gritty too soon. Snappo. Relapse. One of the the worst thing that can happen is going too fast too soon on your own because this is what happens. We'll bring it back to Thanksgiving. That same athlete, that it was great that he was in there and we're talking to him every socializing and exercising. I look over before you know it, his sling is off of his shoulder that he just got surgery on, and he's lifting you know two and a half pound weights and doing it on that arm. And I immediately scrum. What the fuck are you doing? Bro, well, what, uh, doctor said this, I'm like, okay, so if I text Drew right now, he's going to tell me that you can, that the sling can be on the ground right now and you don't need to be into it and you could take that weight over your head on the injured arm from four days ago, yeah, go ahead and talk, he was calling my bluff, no, it was bullshit, I talked to Drew and he was like, no, he shouldn't be doing that that is an example and he listens to the podcast of what exactly not to do and doing too much too fast and speeding up the process because you're a momo listen to your professionals we know what we're doing believe it or not and we'll make sure that you know we don't have a revert revert back and 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 have issues cuz then you just you go back down and then all that psychological bullshit that you're dealing with it all comes back and it lengthens the process out and messes up the timetable. That's why we have timetables. You will be good. Follow the timetables. Do you agree?
0: I do agree in a sense. I was also one of the people that pushed their timetable pretty aggressively, but it worked out for me kind of in the end. So it it, it is what it is, but timetables are important and it matters to meet them. The The thing you don't want to do is you don't want to re-injure yourself doing something stupid. Uh, I don't want to name names, but I I do know one story of someone who had torn ACL who was not me, thankfully. Um, but they were rehabbing and they were doing a lunge and it re-tore as they were lunging and they had to get surgery on it again. And it's like I think they were six months out of their original surgery and they were just kind of being a little bit too aggressive with it. It's just like, that's the worst possible setback you could imagine. Like you want to talk about psychological issues like that, re tearing it and shit like that. When you're trying to rehab, that'll give
1: you some serious shit. Boy, speaking of shit, you just shit all over my fucking optimism and trying to make these athletes that are listening to this podcast fucking feel better. Huh?
0: I'm, Uh, I, I was aggressive and I, I was fine. You you have to know your body and you have to, you have to trust. Like, I mean, you have to get people who know what they're doing and
1: trust it. I'm not saying you. I'm, I'm not talking about your story. I'm talking about your random, isolated 0.001 percent story of the person doing a basic lunge after six weeks and their knee falling apart and into fucking shreds and needing a surgery again. That was the one that I was talking about. Anyway, so yes, yeah, and that 0.10 or that 0.001 percent, yes, you. And that's all that these people are going to think about now because of you. Thanks, buddy.
0: No, no I have another. Oh, uh, 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 no, I'm not going to say this one. Actually, never mind. Okay. I want to say it. That'll, that'll be too bad. All righty. So just remember, everything will
1: be okay, and everybody's went through it. And le- unless you're friends with Tay, then you're going to snap your shit uh, halfway through the process and then get on some sort of medication for depression. That's what happens if you are Tays cases, but my cases, everybody kind of comes through and kills it.
0: Well, one of my other friends might've been allegedly in a medical viewing room and was watching an ACL surgery hypothetically take place. And the doctor allegedly misplaced the ACL and had to go forearm deep into uh, someone's thigh to try and pull it back down and
1: screw it back on yeah another thing that didn't help the podcast uh so maybe we should not talk about all the fucking horror stories (laughs) maybe maybe a good idea
0: well that is all we have planned for this episode But now that you guys are done starving for the NES experience, the fast is over. We are now back. Make sure to like and subscribe to our podcast. You know, it took us a lot of effort to come back. And a little uh, quid pro quo here would be pretty nice. And me and Ned have talked. And if, as long as we have one comment on, on, I don't know where the comments are. I don't know if if we just get one more subscriber. Let's just do one subscriber. We need one person to subscribe to the podcast or else Ned kills Sydney the dog. Done. That's the NES experience.